Hey there, film fans. Happy New Year. It's Brandon Champion, the host of the Second Day Film Podcast. Just wanted to come on before the show and give a brief spoiler warning. We're going to talk about a lot of different films today, and we don't really have a spoiler, non-spoiler section. So if you haven't seen the movies we're going to talk about, uh, you might want to go watch them and come back later if you want to come in fresh. But if you have seen them, we're glad you're here. We look forward to uh, sharing our thoughts with you. Enjoy the show. Slightly above average show. Happy 2019, film fans, and welcome into the Second Day Film Podcast, the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. It is Thursday, January 3rd, 2019. I'm your host, Brandon Champion. Happy to be back with all of you after the busy holiday season. Hope everyone had a great Christmas, New Year, etc., etc. It is episode 26 of the SDFP, and today I'm joined by a new podcast contributor. He is Mr. Mike Nichols, an avid film connoisseur, consumer, critic, fan. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, my good college buddy. Yes, Mike and I know each other from our college days. We go way back. Uh, he's a program manager here in Grand Rapids. Uh, he's also dabbled in journalism in the past. He's an aspiring screenwriter. Uh, but I know you're a big movie guy. I mean, how, how long have you been, would you say that you've been sort of seriously into movies for? Uh, the first movie I ever saw was King Kong, the old black and white uh, from the 30s one. And it scared the crap out of me when I was a little kid. And ever since then, I think I was just hooked because of how I like how much impact like the the fear and the, the the power of that movie had on me as a kid. So ever since I was a kid, I, I was just hooked in movies. Probably like probably like most people from our generation. Yeah, something, for, something about it. For sure, for sure. Here on this podcast, we like to say something hashtag no genre bias, uh, as in like we like to you know try and appreciate all different types of films, whether that's romantic comedy, horror, sure. action, you know, Oscar contenders, blockbusters. Are you a guy who enjoys all? All different types of cinema or do you have a couple that are sort of in your wheelhouse i, I love them all like I, i'm like you i'm hashtag no genre bias there you go i love them all mike's catching on quick we appreciate that um well coming up on today's show mike and i will be sharing our thoughts on a whole lot of new films uh, that have been coming out both in theaters and on Netflix. Seems like we've gotten a huge boon in Netflix mm -hmm. uh, movies coming out lately. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you all the ways to get in touch with us. Uh, we are the Second Day Film Podcast. If you're on social media, go ahead and search that anywhere. Facebook, on Twitter, uh, Second Day Film on Twitter, all written out. Uh, SoundCloud and iTunes are where you can catch our episodes and check out some of our uh, older ones. As I said, this is episode 26, so there's 25 other ones out there. You can email us at secondayfilm at gmail.com. And also, we are recently on Instagram, and that's at the Second Day Film Podcast. Basically, if you're on a social media uh, uh, website... Check us out by searching Second Day Film. It should pop up. We want to hear from you. We want likes. We want ratings. We want reviews. We want comments. Uh, tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what we suck at. Uh, we don't really care. As long as we're getting feedback, that's a that's an important part of doing a film podcast is making sure that we hear from you. So, moving forward, like I said, busy show to get to today. Uh, both Mike and I have been feverishly watching a lot of things over the holidays, been a couple weeks since uh, we've had a podcast, um, so we want to catch you up on all the things we've been watching. Uh, Mike, what, what's something that you uh, watched recently that you just have to talk about? 
I got I got to talk about Bandersnatch. Uh, I know you and I are both big fans of Black Mirror, uh, the great show on Netflix. Um, they just released a movie, which came out of nowhere. Like they almost did no marketing for it. It was just like, hey, we're dropping a movie on Netflix tomorrow. Boom, and then it came out the next. Day. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. and and everyone just got obsessed and started watching it right away. Bandersnatch is the name of it. It's it's an interactive movie. It's kind of like one of those choose your own adventure books that you would have read as a kid. So the main character is about to make a choice and something pops up underneath the screen of choose this or choose that. You click which one he's going to do and then the movie continues from there. Um, there's times where kind of like the book where it's like, okay, you, you've died or something happens and you got to go back and it lets you do that. But it's the first time I've ever watched like an interactive movie like that. And it was... Um, it was very, very interesting. Black Mirror is one of those shows that really kind of uh, messes with your head, forces you to confront a lot of things about like technology and how we use it and the choices that we as humans will like make with technology and then with no matter what age we're living in. And um, like this, this movie definitely pushed that to uh, to new heights with uh, the, the interactive format. It's not necessarily like the best story from Black Mirror, but certainly all the all the questions it forces you to ask as you're thinking about choices and things like free will or like the different like kind of parallel universes you could have created or something like that. All that's there. Uh, it was just a great trip and I'm really looking forward to see like where interactive movies go, but God bless black mirror for starting that conversation. Yeah. Black mirror of course has become a show that's become known for sort of setting the standard or, or, uh, you know, uh, pushing the limits of technology and how we interact with it. And it's actually developed a habit of, creating something that actually has become real in reality. Yeah. It's happened at least three or four times. Yeah, apps which, have been made based yeah. on Black Mirror episodes, which are like, oh, that's cool, also terrifying. Yeah, for sure, and I think that's what's so effective about Black Mirror in general. I haven't seen Bandersnatch, so I can't comment on the movie, but I think, I think talking about the show, what makes it so effective, and why I recommend it to everyone, is it's, it's, it's suspension of belief with technology to a certain extent, but it's not so far out there that it that it seems impossible. Yeah. It seems like it's just at the fingertips of where, you know, we could be going or where we're going. And I think as an anthology series where we're getting different stories every single episode, um, it allows Black Mirror to go in a lot of different directions. My question about Bandersnatch, um, it has a lot of, I think what you should, what you kind of touched on is it has a bunch of different endings depending right. on the choices you make. So to me, it sounds almost like a video game. Do, do, did that work for you? That I mean, how many of the endings have you had a chance to see? I probably only saw four of the endings. I don't know how many there are. Um, it's weird that you say video game because the, the plot is actually about a guy creating a video game. Yeah, it's, I should it's, say it's, the yeah. plot somewhere on IMDb. In 1984, <clears throat> a young programmer begins to question reality as he works to adapt a fantasy novel into a video game. So was it effective, though, the different... Uh, did you enjoy that? Because me, as like a, an avid film watcher, you know... This idea that a movie could change at the end. I mean, I know some movies have, like, alternative endings or they have, like, director's cuts that they wanted to go a different way or whatever. This seems, like, crazy to me, that a movie could be a different experience every time you watch it. There were two thoughts I had on it. One is that, yes, um, I think it, it was the right story to do interactive with, if that makes sense. Like, the fact that it's a video game about a guy, like, who's creating a game where you make choices and then he's starting to live it out, so the parallels of that... It was the right kind of story to do interactive with. It also made me think that in some ways to avoid all criticism of a movie, like give it multiple options. Like there, for so many movies now, there's like, oh, like 
well, this this the theatrical version wasn't the real version. You got to watch the director's cut, or you got to watch like the alternate ending version or something like that. Um, now, with especially with the way fans can get really aggressive and rabid about what they expect from from their franchises or from their you know their characters, like sometimes it might almost just be smarter to be like, well, that. The fan created that one, not me. You know, in some ways, <laughs> it's like an like, out. It's like an out for the filmmaker. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and and with a platform like Netflix, which is mm-hmm. streaming, uh, you're not going to the theater to watch it. You're not having to rent the movie or whatever. I don't know how you would do it in a theater. Yeah. Maybe maybe you just have the audience pull. Like yeah, like, I, I don't know has how a clicker you would and everyone. Yeah. The, but, if the mass of people like say go left, then you go left. Or yeah, something. I don't know. But my larger point though is that I think that a movie, an experimental thing like this, works for Netflix, uh, yeah. a, a streaming service where people have it at their fingertips to watch it time and time again so they might be able to you know experience it differently that way and just go back and watch it and try different things like oh i chose this last time now i'll choose this one and see what happens another thing i thought was interesting about it is i felt like i was being tested more than like oh i oh it's giving me a movie to watch but it's like hey as users what would you do in this like it almost felt like one of those internet tests you take where you know like secretly they're gathering your data buzzfeed test yeah exactly (laughs) and this kind of felt like that too where it's like maybe in some ways netflix is seeing what i would do like would would we all choose to do this would we Mm -hmm. make this choice like it was it'd be an interesting way to like study people too netflix Netflix is subconsciously crowdsourcing for the next season of black mirror to see which kind of stories people would be interested in genius Genius move on their part. Well done, Charlie. Charlie Booker is it? Uh, yeah, Charlie. Charlie Book Brooker is the creator. Brooker. Yeah, it started yeah. as an He's English Bro- show on Channel Four, and yeah. then they canceled it. And Netflix, thank God, mm. picked it up because Black Mirror is a show that I think not enough people have seen, honestly, and more people need to. Uh, yeah. Black Mirror D- Bandersnatch is on Netflix. You can watch it anytime. Real quick, what would you give it out of ten? Um, that's which version? Like which 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 movie am I? I, I would give in it- general. For its attempt, uh, for its attempt, I'd give it eight out of ten. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, uh, a, a movie version of the widely popular science fiction show, uh, getting a recommendation here from Mike Nichols. Oh, absolutely! It's an interactive movie, and it's it's a new thing. Go, go check it out. Uh, moving on, lots to get to today. We got a, a whole list of films. A movie I want to talk about right off the bat here uh, is Aquaman, yes. the new uh, DC extended universe film. This movie is directed by James Wan, of all people. It stars Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, Dolph Lundgren, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, and Nicole Kidman. The plot summary from IMDb. Arthur Curry learns that he is the heir to the underwater kingdom of Atlantis and must step forward to lead his people and be a hero to the world. So uh, Aquaman, of course, is a... uh, legendary uh, DC comic book figure. Uh, The film is based on the DC character who appeared in Justice League uh, and was also briefly mentioned in uh, Batman vs. Superman, I think. He had almost like a cameo appearance Yeah, you see him like underwater. He's like, ooh, camera, what's up? As I said, this is the sixth film in the DC Extended Universe, which... uh, you know, I would say has gotten mixed reviews uh, at best. <laughs> yeah, so I would far, say, I would, I would uh, agree with that. Definitely hasn't you know lived up to the hype of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which of mm-hmm. course is DC's big rival. But yeah. you know, I've seen all the movies. I, I, I like some of them. I, I dislike some of them. Um, maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. As for this movie, Aquaman, um, I want to first talk about James Wan, who's the director here, sure. um, because I think his direction is is right on in this. But he's a horror guy. He's the creator of Saw. 
He's directed some Conjuring movies. He's directed Insidious. Um, he also did Furious 7 uh, in the Fast and the Furious series. So he does have some experience directing, you know, these huge blockbuster action movies. But talk about a versatile guy. Uh, that Someone who can be in the horror genre and then all of a sudden jump over and, and do this crazy movie like Aquaman. Um, but I think his direction was wonderful in this. I, I really feel like he had uh, a good feel for the scope and the tone that a character like Aquaman needs. Mm-hmm. When I think about Aquaman, the first thing, fair or not, that comes to my head is the, one of the, the family guy cutaways. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Aquaman in the water and he's yelling at the guy mugging the girl on the beach. Right, yeah. And he's like, why don't you come stop me? And he's like, I can't. I'm going to throw a fish at you because he's in the water. Uh, so I think that Aquaman as a character uh, is a little bit like wacky. He's not like, you know, Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or Iron Man, like these grounded characters. He's like this, he's kind of a quirky superhero, would you you say? Yeah, he's kind of been, if we're being honest, like kind of a punchline for a long time. And I definitely think that picking a guy like Jason Momoa Mm -hmm. and like giving him like this uh, underwater Thor-ish feel is trying to make him a little bit more epic than maybe the punchlines he's been used to. Jason Momoa, of course, of Game of Thrones fame. Love Jason Momoa. Yeah, uh, uh, played Khal Drogo in the first couple seasons of there. I think that's what most people are going to recognize him from. Uh, That being said, with all that subtext to the Aquaman character, I found this movie to be a lot of fun. I, I loved the adventurous feel to it. Uh, I I think I feel like you really get the right vibe from the start that it's gonna that we're gonna go on this like grand wacky journey underground. It's like this awesome quest, this elaborate mission, mm-hmm. and I really think from the start we're sort of exposed to this whole new new world and new side of the DC universe that feels really unique, fresh, and specific to the character of Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, um, every time I like in the movie, uh, every time we enter a new like kingdom underwater, it actually comes up on the screen and says, you know, this is the kingdom of the crustaceans or the Mm. kingdom of the fishermen or whatever. I think that helps bring out, uh, a word I like to use all the time called world building. You know, there, yeah. there was so much world building in this movie. I almost mm-hmm. felt like there was three movies in one. Like yeah. how much they got to. They're trying to the, jump to a really lot. big. Yeah. They, yeah. I, it, and that's kind of what I'm going back to is like. They're really trying to to capture the whole world of this underwater. Yeah. Uh, it's not just Atlantis. It's this underwater, you know, universe. Set. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a whole different side of the universe than what we've seen in in Batman vs Superman or Justice League, where everything is all like dark and and kind of like the tone is all weird. And uh, you know, I, I think this one has a much more. Um, it feels more lighthearted to me. It just feels more like yeah. wacky and yeah. kind of like fun. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the rest of the DC films seem like really like for serious. Yeah, brooding. Yeah, brooding yeah. and dark and gloomy and everything Being sucks. a hero's not easy. Yeah, like, yeah. I just felt like this movie was more of a good time at the theater. But uh, So I've got some more thoughts, but what are sort of your initial thoughts with, about, with Aquaman? I will confess, like... I, I have been superheroed out for a while. Superhero fatigue has taken taken me hard, my friend. Um, You're not alone there. I uh, like like you. I've like had very mixed to uh, good lord feelings about the DC uh, films. Like uh, you know, they're not my cup of tea necessarily. Like I I enjoyed Wonder Woman. I thought that was a good film. I I thought Man of Steel was actually pretty good too. I think that that got some unnecessary hate. Batman vs Superman lost me hard though, and I I, I did not see. Um, the Suicide Squad. I did not see Justice League, um, but Aquaman. My dad really wanted to go see it, so I took him. And yeah, love Jason Momoa. Um, the guy is just a, an epic force unto himself. His personality can carry anything. 
Um, loved the new like look like oh it's like an underwater movie like mm-hmm. this is like about superheroes like this is this is creative and new and original like no one's done this yet mm-hmm. um, as far as like, that I can think of um, loved uh, yeah everything said about like wow like they're really fleshing out this whole universe um, it was a it looks great too like it's For a sure. beautiful epic looking movie For sure. um, and uh, there's yeah there's some like really good core themes in there. The fight scene in the beginning, like in that submarine, is just really strong. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, for me, like there was just a point. I don't. I actually, I know exactly when it was. It was when Amber Heard's character Mira, mm-hmm. she, his wife in the comics, she comes out of the water to come talk to him. Like, hey, like we haven't seen you in a while. You need to come back. And and she's wearing like stiletto heels. <laughs> yeah. And for, I don't know what it was about. Doesn't seem it. too practical for underwater swimming. I was like, why in the world <laughs> would anyone who lives in an underwater kingdom be wearing heels? Why, why would you swim in heels? Why would you need heels? Your feet will never touch like a floor. Like, why does she have heels? Yeah. Like, and it it was just so weird that it pulled me out of it for a moment. And after that, I had a hard time. And also, I was like, why are they making this poor girl wear heels? Like, heels must be so uncomfortable. Like, I think it's dumb every time I see a superhero movie where, like, all the guys have, like, armor and then she's, like, trying to run in heels and it's like, this is, give her, give her boots. Like, come on. It's like Bryce Dallas Howard in uh, the first, uh, yeah. uh, it's uh like, Jurassic it's World. She's, That's like, insisting fair. on running on heels and all that. But, yeah, no. yeah, all of a sudden, like, Aqu- like Aquaman's Aqualady is, like, walking around, like, swimming in heels. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? Yeah. I don't know why. It just pulled me out of it for a moment and... Like I, the rest of it, I was like, "This is this is gorgeous and this is fine, but this, this is also a little ludicrous." Yeah, but it was cool. I, I, I think that's cool. part of maybe it ludicrous, maybe cool. maybe it's like ludicrous is like it's part of the fun. Like I keep saying, like yeah, sure. I, I like how the, I like how this movie is set in like a modern Atlantis. Yeah, it's, this isn't yeah. your grandpa's Atlantis, right? There's there's relics and like odes to the distant past, and uh, the place feels like lived in. It feels like it has history <laughs> and remnants of conflict, and that all goes back to the world building. Yeah, I think it really helps, you know, making it feel like an authentic place. You mentioned Momoa; I think he really embodies the character yeah, pretty well. He's great. The action set pieces are, are pretty chaotic and crazy. They um, go on for a little too long. Yeah, but like a little too long. Yeah, it, but they're good. Like dudes riding seahorses and sharks, yeah. and the fight at the end with the crab people. I think my <laughs> favorite scene was uh in G- sicily giving away the plot now brand <laughs> yeah we're gonna i'll put a spoiler warning at okay, the front. Yeah. uh my favorite scene was in sicily it, uh when herd and mower are fighting black manta and they're jumping across the rooftops and they're crashing through buildings okay i, I thought that juan's direction and camera work really came through there where you felt really emerged in the set piece because you'd be like watching amber heard run across the building and then the camera would zoom back yeah. and you'd come to momoa fighting someone i it thought that good. that was really well done it was really good Mm-hmm. But that and that scene in Sicily though, when they're coming in, when there's like, all right, they're on that mission, right? And it, that's the part where they start kind of bonding as characters. Uh-huh. Did you feel like that scene at all felt like Shrek? <laughs> wow! <laughs> because when because like he's this uh, like tough guy and she's this sweet beautiful like redhead, and then like that scene in Shrek where they finally start bonding, there's like this la 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 song. <laughs> And then they do all these like disgusting, weird things, but they connect through it. She's like eating a flower, yeah. and he's like, "Yeah, I'll eat the flower." It's like, "Oh my word!" I'm like watching Shrek. Like, that was a little bit weird, was, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah that, it was I, sweet and funny. Yeah. So I was like, "Okay, DC is going for a lighter tone, which is needed." But but I that's like, where I feel like, like James Wan this whole time. I feel like he's just like goofing around. Like I almost feel like he's like, "Oh yeah, of yeah. course this is ridiculous," but we're gonna put it in there. He had fun with it. Yeah. yeah, of course they're fighting Black Manta in that scene in Sicily. I like. I think they did a pretty good job incorporating him into the story. They gave him a. They tried to give him a little bit of a backstory with his dad whatever it was a little bit weak oh the yeah yeah, yeah. um but 
I think that it was good to give uh, Aquaman a villain who is from the human world. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, obviously he's battling King Arm, his brother, or whatever, underwater. But, you know, part of what who Aquaman is is he's half human. So I think it's important to give him a villain who is from the human world and can sort of, you know, bring that side of him out as well. Yeah, um, and he's his main, one of his main villains in the yes, comics. Yes, one of Black his biggest Manta. adversaries. Yeah. yeah, King Orm, who's played by Patrick Wilson. Um, I think he was a good, not great villain. You know, a lot of superhero movies, One of the we've talked about it before on this podcast, one of the biggest issues they have is villains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in some movies, you know, sometimes they do it good, like Loki and Thanos. Other movies like uh, Injustice League against, uh, you know, the guy, uh, I can't remember. Steppenwolf. Yeah, Steppenwolf. Yeah. It's done the fact really, that you can't remember his yeah, name. It's yeah. done really clumsily. Yeah. Um, I like that King Orm, you can kind of relate to him a little bit, yeah. actually. Like, sure, he's insane and psychotic for wanting to take the war to the surface dwellers. Uh, but he makes good points about how humans, you know, pollute the oceans and yeah. kill the creatures of the deep. Mm. And you can see why someone in his position would want to come at us, you know? So I like that he's a little bit dynamic dynamic in his motivations, at least. There's a... there's a I love watching, like, um, like YouTube videos that, like, analyze films and stuff, and I, wa- I watched one recently on, like, like superhero villains and how they've changed over the years. And he kind of fits, like, what they think the new tracking is for how a villain is supposed to be built. It's supposed to be that... It, it used to be, like, the villain had a bad plan, was going for power and stuff, and it went through some changes. And now the plan is that the villain has a good like problem they've pointed out like this like this is a problem this is wrong that then you should relate to it as an audience like yeah like the villain's right like that is a real problem mm-hmm. but the villain's plan to solve it goes too far they just go about extreme. it in the wrong way yeah mm-hmm. and that's kind of like what they did with killmonger mm-hmm. and black panther um yeah. it's it's what they did with orange like it's a I, you're starting to see that trend like a lot even, more. you could say Thanos, yeah like yeah there's a problem like mm-hmm. overpopulation or something yeah you know? and yeah, so I felt like he was a good, not great villain, and then of course in the end he, they don't kill him, so maybe he'll be showing yeah. up again at some point. Like, maybe even as a good guy, maybe he takes a Loki. I like path. that. I like that it was open for that. Like, hey, yeah. like we can when you're ready, let's talk. Like, yeah. it was like, yeah, okay, Look, heal their family. So overall, I, I thought it was just a crazy good fun movie. It's not perfect. It has issues. Um, you know, see it on as big a screen as you can. You know, I think it's different than the other. DC Extended Universe films because it just feels a little bit more lighthearted and it feels like more of a fun time at the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I was going to rank it in the DC Extended Universe, I would probably put it first or second. Um, and again, that's not saying a ton uh, because a lot of those movies have been complete trash. Uh, <laughs> but it's definitely up there with Wonder Woman. Uh, and I actually like, I didn't think Justice League was bad. Some people disliked it. I, I, I had an okay time with Justice League too. I haven't seen um, it. I can't say So it would be up in the top two or three. Again, not saying a, a lot, but I think it's just a fun movie. It's it's wacky, zany. Sure. It's like The Little Mermaid on steroids for adults. It's like Super The Little Mermaid. I thought about The Little Mermaid a lot during that movie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, one knock that I would say, I thought the humor, you mentioned the roses and all that mm-hmm. stuff when she eats it. I thought it was a little hit or miss. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of the funniest moments were in the trailer, which mm-hmm. is a huge pet peeve of mine when yeah. all the best punchlines you've already seen. So you're like almost like force laughing at it when you're in there. Yeah. Overall, sure. though, with Aquaman, I think it's a good time. I'd go check it out. I gave it a seven out of ten. Um, so I, I think it's I'll, worth I'll give six and a half to seven. Okay. Six and a half to seven. That's so fair. You're right there with me. Yeah, that's fair. It's not great, but it's kind of fun. I gave it a C plus, I think. Okay. That's what I gave it. There you go. That's Aquaman. It's in theaters right now. Uh, it's killing it in the box office. So It is uh, doing really well. Yeah, so a yeah. lot of people seem to be into it. Yeah. Uh, go check it out if you're into it. Uh, Mike, 
I know there's a specific movie that uh, you're, a, oh, you're maybe you're not a fan of the movie. Oh, man. Uh, but you're a fan of the source material. So, okay. so tell us about uh, this movie. Okay, I'll, I'll, let me just clarify. We don't have to do this if you don't want to. No, nah, go ahead. Uh, okay, all right. So Brandon, Brandon knows like how much like I hate this. Okay, so as you remember from college, and it's true in my life, I'm a huge fan of Robin Hood. I love Robin Hood. I've loved Robin Hood ever since I was a kid. I've seen literally every single movie that I know of that exists uh, about Robin Hood. I've read every book I can get my hand on, hands on about Robin Hood. I've been working on my own like Robin Hood like books slash screenwriting material. Um, I love like Robin Hood. I love the character. I love what it stands for. I love like historically how it's like changed over the years. It's great. Recently, a new Robin Hood film came out, which was, in my opinion, not great. In fact, it was not only the worst Robin Hood movie I've ever seen. I think it was the worst movie I saw all year. And I say wow. that, weirdly enough, I say that with love. You must not have seen A Wrinkle in Time. I did not see it. <laughs> but I think that came out last year. No, it was this oh, year. Oh, was this year? Okay. Right. Um, Anyways. Yeah. So, and, and it's it stinks to say it, too, because, man, I love I love the guy who plays Robin Hood. I love Taron Edgerton, I think is his name. Yep. Um, I love... Uh, the, Jamie Foxx, Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. I love Jamie Foxx. I love uh, ja- the other Jamie. Jamie uh, Dornan. Jamie Dornan. Of, uh, of uh, Fifty Shades fame. <laughs> but he's also in a great series, uh, The Fall. Okay. If you, you ever go. watch that, uh, uh, it's on Netflix. He plays a serial killer. Jillian Anderson plays a detective hunting him. Okay. Phenomenal. Okay. He's terrific in it, and she's terrific in it. That's a great show. Anyway. Um, yeah, every see, everyone in it is great. They all have good projects. They're all good. Tim Minchin's in it. I love Tim Minchin. Um, Eve Hewson, who I'd never seen before, but she did a fine job like with what, the thankless role that she was given in this movie, uh, Bono's Daughter. Yeah, like it was just... Based, since we're talking about superhero movies, they took the story of Robin Hood and transformed it into a superhero movie where Robin of Loxley is his like playboy... like image by day and by night he's the hood who goes around just shooting people and giving money to the poor who all work in a month it's it was it's not the superhero aspect i didn't like it was the fact that everything that's good about the story of robin hood was twisted into this like like hyper politicized like really badly written like the characters make choices that make absolutely no sense given what happened like five seconds before like the idea that a guy would just sneak like so the the basic premise to start the movie and i'm not like i'm not spoiling anything by saying this is that robin gets drafted into the crusades okay which is like oh yeah the crusades had a draft he literally gets draft notice on his door uh and he's got to go to the Did crusades they read his number off on live tv yeah it's it's like wait this isn't and I think the reason, if, obviously, if you've seen a trailer, you see that the film doesn't look very medieval. Obviously, it's set in the medieval world, but it has a very modern look. And I think the idea is that they're trying to say Robin Hood is timeless. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so much of the story that they've tried to tell is like, oh, he's in the Crusades. War in the Middle East. Get it? Wink. <laughs> and like everything is a get it? Wink. It's like, yeah, we, yeah, we understand there's parallels between Robin and every single person and every, like, who's ever stood up against injustice, but they're really trying to hit home that like he's uh, uh, like an Iraq war veteran who's now a superhero Antifa leader or something. It's it's just so bad and misses like the heart of the legend so light. Like, so, it so, misses the bullseye a lot. So, doesn't even hit the target. No, which is not good. I gave it which an, is not good if you're Robin Hood. I gave it an F. Yeah. I give that movie an F. Okay. Have you, have you, you've seen this movie? I have not seen okay. it. I've not seen the new one. Uh, Don't see two, it. two movies I want to ask you about and how it compares to it. 
Um, at least from watching the trailer, it kind of reminds me of that King Arthur movie yeah. that came out where I feel like maybe they're trying to do the same thing where it take like a classic story and give it sort of like a modern mm-hmm. tone. And so I'm wondering if you've got any of those vibes or if you've seen that movie. And also, how does it compare to the Russell Crowe Robin Hood that came out, what, like 10 years ago? Something yeah. Like um, so in comparisons to King Arthur, very much like the same type of thing of... Let's take a classic uh, legend um, that's now in the public domain, and it's weird. Someone actually just did a video about like how Robin Hood and King Arthur movies kind of come out at the same time usually, and they're all like, and each one sets a new trend. Like there's, oh, it's gonna be the, like, this is gonna be the classic traditional telling in like the 50s and 40s, and then you get like a Disney-fied version in like the 70s, and then you get a um, like a grittier like remake in like the 80s and 90s, and then you get a hyper historical version in the 2000s which is what you got with king arthur uh that they made um yeah clive owen clive owen and then you have the super historical one with russell crowe and now we're getting this fantastical superhero version with charlie um Hunnam. hunnam uh where his sword is like uh a magic superhero <laughs> thor's hammer basically um and then you now you've got robin hood literally is a superhero and it, so uh, you're seeing the movies come out at the same time and follow the same trends. So in that sense, yes, this this one is comparative to the King Arthur one that takes a legend, puts a very modern look twist to it, and turns him into a superhero um, without any of the actual like original details, other than like you know, in King Arthur, yeah, he pulls a sword from a stone, and Robin has a bow, mm-hmm. and like that's that's the closest you get to the original story. Um, mm-hmm. And then with the Russell Crowe comparison, I would say that one definitely tries to be like, hey, this is serious. Yeah. Robin Hood was set in history. And history looked like this. Yeah. And then they don't do anything that actually happened in history um, <laughs> with that movie. But um, the Russell Crowe one was very self-serious. Good looking, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually like the look of that movie. Like, yeah. I wish I wish more. Uh, I, I wish a Robin Hood movie would have been made to, to look a little bit more historically accurate, like that movie attempted at least. Mm-hmm. Um and we yeah. talked about that a little bit and talked leading up to this podcast. The, the battle on the beach on the end, I think, is kind of stylistic and looks kind of cool. But it does. But it's like if you're going for it, this is the real story. Then why do the the most uh, like that never happened? Like why 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 tell a real story that's that's uh, that's more fictional than like mm-hmm. the classic story? Yeah. You know. All right. Well, what would you, you think of the Russell Crowe one? I didn't ask you this. Uh, I I saw it once a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a fan of Russell Crowe. I, I like. Yeah, I love Russell Crowe. Um, so, and I I'm a sucker for things that are sort of set in that medieval time period. So I, I remember enjoying it. I, I don't think I like loved it. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, there it is. I'm I'm looking up right now to see what I ended up giving it out. Of I'll time. give you a quick detail about something that was weird about the Russell Crowe movie. They made a movie uh, with Sean Connery and Audrey Hepburn in the 1970s called Robin and Marion. And it's like the story, it's basically the story of the death of Robin Hood. So where he shoots the last arrow and stuff. Um, in that movie, that's like an aging, like it's the end of the Robin Hood story, right? Sean Connery is playing an older Robin Hood. The Russell Crowe is an origin story Robin Hood. And Russell Crowe was either the same age or actually older than Sean Connery was. when Sean Connery played like the aging dying Robin mm. Hood. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, so little fact about that one. Looks like I give the Russell Crowe Robin Hood a six. Who knows if I was at a five, five, or yeah. a five, or where somewhere. I'd give it a there. six too. Yeah, I, uh, gave, I gave the new Robin Hood a. I'll give it a one okay. out of ten because just because it's well, it's Robin Hood and 
And, you know, some of the bow shots are pretty cool. All right, so, so, that, so the new cool. Robin Hood, uh, uh, Mike is not recommending it. Directed no. by Otto Bathurst, who is a guy who I've never even heard of before. So uh, yeah. not a good review there for Mike, and also a little bit of thoughts on the old Robin Hood. Sounds like a movie that you can skip. All right, moving on to our next film uh, here on the uh, January 3rd. 2019 edition of the Second Day Film Podcast, our first podcast of the new year. Uh, moving on, it's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. This is directed by Rob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman uh, from a screenplay by Phil Lord. Uh, this movie stars Shame- the voice talents of Shameik Moore, Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, Brian Tyree Henry, Lily Tomlin, Luna Lauren Velez, John Mulaney, Nicolas Cage, and Lee Schreiber. Uh, so very talented uh, voice cast in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, the plot summary in IMDb. Teen Miles Morales becomes Spider-Man of his reality, crossing his path with five counterparts from other dimensions to stop a threat for all realities. Uh, this is an animated film uh, which takes place in Sony's Spider-Verse. I guess they're calling it these days. It gets a little confusing with who owns the right to Superman or Spider-Man yeah. uh, with the MCU version portrayed by Tom Holland. Of course, we have the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in incarnations. Uh, basically, well, all you need to know is Sony owns Spider-Man uh, so they can sort of do whatever they want with the character and they sort of loaned the Tom Holland to the MCU. Uh, it's all just... Uh, studios and, and backdoor dealings. And, and will they loan Tom Hardy now? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, of course, we from Venom, see. which is we a movie that uh, uh, I talked about earlier this year. I talked about Venom. Uh, of course, the movie about the anti-hero, the famous yeah. anti-hero. But this movie... So good. I loved it so yeah, much. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, One of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah, this movie is quite literally ripped from a comic book. It's It's got this sort of unique animation to mm-hmm. it where you're literally watching like a top, a comic book come to life yeah. in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's got, you know, the words appearing on screen. It goes with like the, the triple boxes. Yeah. It's literally like pictures are moving. It's, it's not like, it is computer animated, but it's not classic animation. It's not computer animated. It's just like... It's got such a unique feel to it. It's even got the pixelation of the way that like the paint is on a comic book page. Like, mm-hmm. those little dot, like, it's so good. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful beautiful animated movies I've ever seen. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And we uh, we briefly talked about uh, Into the Spider-Verse on the last pod when we mentioned the Golden Globe nominations mm. uh, for Best Animated Film this year. You've got Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, you've got one of the Japanese anime films, so it's like a loaded category this year. Uh, this one, aside from the animation, which is like amazing just to watch come to life, it feels yeah. almost like a technical marvel that they made this movie. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I really loved about this movie is how, is how it sort of plays up the Spider-Man mythos. Like how it really plays up like the power of the character and what it means to be Spider-Man and what it means to people who are, you know, emulating Spider-Man or, you know, like who, who watch him and count on him to guard over the city. And as the plot summary says, we get a lot of different incarnations of Spider-Man and you can see how like in each of those worlds or parallel dimensions or however you want to say it, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man still, even though they're wildly different versions of Spider-Man, the overall message and what Spider-Man stands for is the same through all of them. Yeah. He he fights crime. He does good. It's 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 corny, and they make fun of this in the movie. You know, with great power comes great responsibility, and they literally make fun of that. Don't you finish? Don't you finish yeah, that? Don't you finish yeah. that? But yeah. it's it's true. That's what Spider-Man stands for. Yeah. I think that, that really this movie nails like what it, it really feels like. Spider-Man is like a superhero 
to the fullest extent of what a superhero is. Yeah. Yeah, this movie absolutely captured like what I would call the heart of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, by by really showing that it doesn't matter whether it's whether it's Spider-Gwen or it's or it's Miles, it doesn't matter even if it's not Peter Parker, like mm-hmm. the Spider-Man like hero is going to be the same and I loved that. Right. And Miles him. Morales of course is sort of like the new age yeah. Spider-Man. He's he was only burst on the scene I think in like 2009 he was mm-hmm. created. Um he's created after in the comics after Peter Parker gets killed. Right. Yeah. Um, in so, the Ultimate comics. Yeah, yeah, in the Ultimate. So a lot of different incarnations. I um, love Miles. I think Miles is a great new uh like new direction for Spider-Man. I think he's great to um, I mean, Brian, I think Brian Bendis created him, and he was the guy who did so much of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. I, I just love that like kids can like also have like a like more diversity and like how who who gets recognized as Spider-Man. I love that. Plus, Miles is a good character. Yeah, like, African American Dad and Latino yeah. uh, mom. Latino mm-hmm. mom. Uh, Shamik Moore is the voice talent in for uh, in he's, this, and I think he does great. a great job sort of uh, capturing what Spider-Man's all about. Um, what what did you like about this movie? I mentioned a couple oh, things. But. Yeah, I mean the animation is just is one of the most beautiful beautifully animated movies I've ever seen. Um, I I want to know if there's ever going to be a new name for it because excuse me, um, there's like traditionally animated movies and then there's like CGI, and this was definitely like computer and this was definitely CGI, but it was it wasn't too. You know, it was like this needs its own name almost like um, for how it was done. I I really loved. Like the interactions between the different Spider Men, um, and I, honestly, Spider Gwen is one of my like. I kind of want to read more about Spider Gwen. Like, that's a cool idea. Like, what if Gwen? Like, what would Gwen be like as Spider Man? I love, I love that concept. Nicholas Cage. Yeah, I was gonna say as, if you like oh Spider Gwen, Spider Man Noir, played by Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage was the best character with every single <laughs> yeah. line that he delivers. It's so funny because it's oh, Spider Man Noir, and he's just like. So, like, gloomy and, like, everything's so serious. <laughs> and it's like, Nicolas Cage, so you know that he knows yes. how to ham it up. I which... wrote that down. I was like, Nicolas Cage as Spider-Noir oh was was hilarious. He literally stole the show. I love how, it, and this relates to the comedy, I think it was yeah. so clever. This movie was so self-aware. Oh, like, yes. And that, yes, yes, you know, yes, we yes, said yes. the great power comes with great responsibility. The movie opens with, like, a bunch of scenes from, like, the previous Spider-Man mm-hmm. movies, including Tom Holland, including Tobey Maguire, yeah. including Andrew Garfield. He's like, oh, yeah, I did all this. I did all this. Da, 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 da. Like you said, it's a movie that really cemented Spider-Man into the idea of mythos. Mm-hmm. That it's like, yes, all these versions of this story has been told, and they're going to keep being told forever. Yeah. And, all, and you're going to get all these different Spider-Man. It's always going to be... Like, he's not ever going away. And this is the movie that kind of cemented that. Like, this gave us the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. You know? I love love the way you said that. Because of the animation, uh, the action scenes, I feel like maybe are a little bit chaotic. It's almost like you're rapidly reading a comic book and flipping through the pages. Was Was there any concern about this movie for, like, seizures? There was. There was a there warning was. in the beginning saying okay. this movie is will give you a seizure, and it will, because it's like, Kung Pow! Mm-hmm. Blast! Shoot! Like, pow! And it's just, like, constant, like, all over the place, almost like anime style sometimes. Yeah. It's literally like someone is, like, rapidly flipping through a comic book. The, the scenes are really colorful. They're all over the place. Uh, don't watch it if you get motion sickness. I'm not even kidding. And if you do get motion sickness, you need to sit, like, really far away and yeah. be able to... One scene that I felt, like really worked the best um was was when they're um 
infiltrating the the facility where they first run into Doc Ock, the female Doc Ock, and it's like the yeah, autumn forest, great. and they're swinging was, through oh. the trees, and and she's chasing them. I think it works really well because it's it's almost like more clean because you basically just have like autumn colors and snow. It's not like all this crazy stuff going on, so it's a little bit easier to take in. And it was really like one of the first main set action pieces in the movie, so I think it was a good way to sort of like bring you into like okay this is gonna be a little crazy for the final showdown uh at the end which is like insane all yeah that's world. that's very trippy <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's cool but it's it's like wow th- these are bright colors uh-huh. this is very intense what did you think of um the uh the kingpin as the big 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 bad <laughs> what did you think of that <laughs> he was i thought it was hilarious the way he was drawn like because he's like this block with a head um I mean, I love Lee Schreiber. Um, I think he did a great job voicing the character. Uh, I, I've i always liked the Kingpin as a villain. He was very prominent in the Spider-Man I grew up with, which was that animated show from on Fox from like the 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, had a great voice actor, too, for that. I, I don't remember the guy's name. I'll, I'll look it up. That's but, okay. Um, I, I, I do feel like Kingpin has become a character that's become... Like, you mentioned he was prominent in that show... But maybe like in recent incarnations, he hasn't really Daredevil. showed up yeah, he's until Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah, he's been more uh, Daredevil villain. Where he's played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who gives an amazing performance in that show. Yeah, R.I.P. Daredevil. What the hell are you doing? Netflix canceling that show. But that's a qu- <laughs> question for another day. Um, but so I think that it was smart to go with Kingpin because he sort of re-entered this consciousness. But he's not like you know like. Uh, He's a classic villain, but he's not, like, the first guy you might think of yeah. to be in a movie. So I think it was kind of a good choice to have him be sort of, like, the ringleader of all this. I think Kingpin's also a good villain for a younger Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, as Spider-Man gets older, like, it, it tends to be more, like, Norman, mm-hmm. like, Osborne. Like, the, the challenges get more more intense and, and, and harder and more personal, but Kingpin is just, like... He's just a he's monster. This, yeah, he's this adult corruption. Yeah. And, and when, when an adult Peter obviously is used to that, but a younger Peter getting, like, burned out and, like, jaded through it is, is, is better. So with a younger guy like Miles coming in for a new Spider-Man, I think Kingpin's a good start to him. For sure. Um, uh, a couple other things I, I just want to touch on real quick. I think this movie, in addition to being this crazy action movie with this unique animation, I think it has a great heart, both through Miles' yeah. relationship with his uncle and with his dad, that hits really emotionally. Uh-huh. Both those, both those are really, really strong uh-huh. in terms of like making you feel, making you care, and, and also just like showing that the, the the father theme, but particularly the uncle theme, that's always going to be strong in Spider-Man, no matter who he is. Like the fact that I don't want to give anything away, but the fact that Miles' story in some ways mirrors Peter's, uh-huh. almost no matter what, like oh, it's almost like destiny, kind of no matter who Spider-Man becomes. Uh-huh these certain things get, like, happen to this person. That also, was very powerful. I also think it's important to show, like, uh, you know, far too often when we have main characters that are urban African-American characters or urban Latino characters, you know, a lot of times we get these relationships where the dad's not there and it's the, the struggling mom or yeah. something like that. And I, I think it's important to show relationships between minority characters uh, on the big screen, uh, fatherly relationships in particular, because a lot of times that's something that's absent. And I think this movie does a good job showing the power of that and how it can help a character, help someone along uh, in their life, especially someone like Miles who's going through this crazy thing that's happening. It was also just really good to see a father and son say, I love you to each other. Uh-huh. I mean, so much toxic masculinity, like men don't have emotions, men don't express affection to each other, but like, 
man, if you need to learn it from anyone, you need to learn it from your dad. And yeah. just like like having that be like a, a, a major joke in the movie of them saying I love you to each <laughs> other. That was that was very special. And like like we both said, this movie had Spider Man's heart, and it also had a sense of humor, which I think yeah. this was definitely the funniest Spider Man. And it went to show that uh, you know. It, it, that's part of Miles's growth into becoming Spider-Man is mm-hmm. learning that he needs his dad. He needs other people. He right. can't just do this all by himself. And I think that was huge in the development of his character. One more thing before we move on because we've got one more movie we want to talk about. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack in this was absolute oh, fire. Yes. Like, the first song when Miles is singing the Sunflower Post Malone mm. song. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of rap and funk and sort of this inner city style New York music yeah. that really helps to set like the urban setting and where the conflict is taking place. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the soundtrack throughout this, when it, you know, when the Elevate song comes on, when he finally has learned how to use his Venom Blast and all that, you know, it really just helps to be like, oh yeah, let's go, Spider-Man's about to kick some ass. I gotta say, man, 2018, I know it's, 2018 is probably going to be remembered as the year of Black Panther. Uh-huh. Because of the impact that movie had, and you know the, the awards that it's getting nominated for, and you could put this right there with that. But I gotta say, like I think in some ways, 2018 is also the year of Spider-Man because you had Infinity War, which gave us for the first time ever the death of a Spider-Man uh-huh. in a film, and the way that that was like that was the climactic crush of the movie is Spider-Man. Just I don't died feel too. so good. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel so good yeah. is like that's a cultural moment now. That line. Um, and then, uh, you had the video game, Spider-Man PS4 come out, which yeah. was also a huge, huge hit. And there's been a lot of stuff about that with, especially with the Raimi suit coming out now, this is the nostalgia feels and this is the, the way that got Spider-Man right too. And then you have into the Spider-Verse and again, crushing it both, both which the game and the new movie deal with miles too, in a very special way, mm-hmm. uh, both, both in a great way, even though they're both different. Um, I gotta say 2018 Black Panther, yeah, but man, also in 2018, the year of Spider-Man. Yeah, we had some good Spider-Man this it's year. It's definitely good to see some some uh, movies with minority superheroes getting some totally. some pop because that's yeah. something we've been missing for far too long. So I'm and, glad to see that. And look how it's doing at the box office. Sure. It's doing fine for sure. No so one, I'm not gonna say where uh, I'm gonna put it in my film rankings for 2018 because I plan to do a a top 10 or top 25 show very soon uh, in the podcast. Um, but it's up there. And this is a, I give this movie a strong nine out of ten, yeah. uh, which is as high as I go. I don't give ten out of ten. You don't. You don't know. do ten out of ten. I don't. I only gave. I've, I'll just tell you now. I've only given one movie, and I've mentioned it before. A ten out of ten, and that's a trip to the moon from George Melier in 1902, which is considered the first movie with like a narrative I, I structure. Know this, I've seen this movie. Yes. So uh, you know, I give that a ten out of ten because it's you know what started it all, kind of. Uh, so, but I don't give ten out of tens. I don't believe in a perfect movie. So nine out of ten is as high as I go. So there you go. I gave it. Uh, okay, fine. I'll Where would you give it? I give it. I gave it an A plus. Like I, I, so I, I write stupid little Facebook reviews of movies that no one ever reads, and nor should they. But <laughs> no one I, listens I to the show either. I so. gave it an A plus. <laughs> I gave it an A plus. I would give this. I guess fine. If I can't do nine, ten out of ten, I'll give it a nine out of ten. So that's into the Spider Verse. It's in theaters right now, uh, getting a lot of positive press. Should be recognized come Oscar season. I think it's probably going to win Best Animated Feature. But like I said. Uh, that's a loaded category this year, so we'll see. Go check out Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right, moving on to the final film we're going to talk about on today's episode. Uh, it's the viral Netflix sensation Bird Box. This movie is directed by Suzanne Beer. Uh, she's a Dutch director. Uh, this movie stars Sandra Bullock, Chavante Rhodes, Jackie Weaver, Rose Salazar, Daniel McDonald, Lil Ray Howery, Tom Hollander, B.D. Wong, Sarah Paulson, Colson Baker... And the great John Malkovich. 
Uh, the plot summary on IMDb. Five years after an ominous, unseen presence drives most of society to suicide, a mother and her two children make a desperate bid to reach safety. Um, if you're on the internet, if you're alive, if you breathe, you've been hearing about Bird Box, you've seen all the viral memes of Sandra Bullock walking around blindfolded, this movie has become <laughs> has set records for Netflix in terms of total streams. Uh, so basically you have to be living under a rock to not have heard of Bird Box. Uh, that being said, I think it's gotten... Mixed to favorable reviews, I'd say, um, for the most most part. Uh, I haven't read too many of them because I wanted to have my own thoughts. But Mike, I'm gonna toss it to you right away on this one. What what are your sort of your some of your, you just watched this movie? So just, what are some yeah. of your general thoughts on Bird Box? Yeah, I just watched it last night. Sandra Bullock is always a win for me. I love Sandra Bullock. Um, she's a just phenomenal actress, and uh, she does a great job in this movie. Um, it it's a movie where it's kind of like. I mean, it's going to get comparisons probably, but it's it reminded me a lot of A Quiet Place in the sense that you have a pregnant person trying to take care of children against, like, a uh, kind of, like, earth-taking-over monster where you can't use one of your senses. Uh-huh. You know, so A Quiet Place is all about, oh, you can't make noise, otherwise these monsters will get you, and we have to protect the children, and I'm pregnant. Oh, no. Right. Sorry, A Quiet this Place This is the came exact out, same thing. A Quiet oh, Place came out earlier this year, yeah. starring John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Uh, so oh, we reviewed tremendous it. movie. Yep, we reviewed it on a, a previous episode of the podcast. You can go back and, and check it out. But uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So, no, no, you're fine. Um, it's your podcast. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, like so, so, again, same thing. Lady with kids trying to survive. Can't use this one sense, otherwise these things will get you. And, uh, I mean, it's fine. It was enjoyable. Um, yeah. I, I kind of wish I, I, we learned more about the monsters in the end. Uh, there, there's kind of like a, a, a guy makes a kind of joke telly, telling story about what it could be. Um, it's the same guy from Get Out, which is a great movie. Um, but it's it's the friend in Get Out who uh, is the guy who's like, Oh, Ray Howard, yeah. oh yeah, like, what if it's this, man? What if it's that? It's, it's that guy. Yeah. And he does a great job in this movie, too. But he plays a character that's kind of similar in some ways. And so when he's giving his, oh, this is what it could be. It could be uh-huh. this. Like, you're not sure if you're supposed to take it seriously or not. But that's the only explanation that's ever given. So I guess that's yeah. maybe see, what it's see, supposed so to be. You, um, that's a you don't know what the monster is. Well, that's a sentiment that a lot of people have had. They, they feel like, you know, they want to know more. They want to find out, like, what it actually yeah. is. I personally liked how ambiguous the movie it was. I, I thought I liked how it sort of left it up to you to determine what the characters were actually seeing. You know, I like that. Yeah. Maybe some people... Um, you know, not saying you are, but maybe like a more ad, a casual film viewer. You know, they want to be. They want things to be fed to them. You know, they want mm-hmm. like this is what it is. This is the conclusion. Yeah. You know, they want you to see what the characters are seeing. Um, but I like that it was left up to us. And I, I think we've said on this podcast a lot. Um, is sometimes less is more. I think yeah. that sometimes yeah. when you go through the effort to to show something, it sort of ruins the allure and the suspense and the you know, the danger of it when you right. show too much. So I personally liked that it was sort of left up to us as to what was going on. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not spoiling anything, but the premise is that whatever this creature is, uh, if you see it, you kill yourself. Right. Like, no, you don't You don't explain it, you don't talk to anyone, you just, you see it, your eyes like kind of go dark, mm-hmm. and then you just find a way to kill yourself, that's it. Um, right. Or, apparently, you start worshipping it. Right. Which is Depending what on the person. Yeah, which... Which was an interesting twist, and you know it was it was fine. Like oh, like this movie's writing up its rules. That can be a rule too, but it wasn't really explained. Yeah. Um. So I wish there was more explanation, but 
uh, it was it was a good movie. Um, it was cool seeing like how would people survive without being able to see what, mm-hmm. Again, what the, would they use? What, how, what tools would they construct to try to move around to, to still connect with each other? Right, um, world building to a certain extent is good in yeah. this movie too because Sandra Bullock, like you said, the five years passes by, so she becomes sort of this expert. Um, you know, this movie is based on the 2014 novel by Michigan native John Mallerman, yeah, uh, which I think is an interesting touch considering with, we're here in Michigan. And we should also mention too that's before. Like Quiet Place, right. and and the other movie gets compared to, I think, is Hush. Yeah. So uh, so in all fairness, this came from a novel that was written before those came out, and uh-huh. in some ways the comparisons. See, fair. I really felt it was sort of like an amalgamation of like the Stephen King story, The Mist, mm-hmm. uh, A Quiet Place. You mentioned also, I was getting like the Book of Eli vibes with that Denzel oh, Washington okay. movie yeah, that yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that came out earlier this year. Um, you know, I, I think the strength of it, two things, is the performances. Uh, obviously, Sandra Bullock is great, yeah. um, but also Trevante Rhodes, who rose to prominence uh, playing the adult Chiron in Moonlight, which came out a couple years ago. I really want to see Moonlight and haven't seen it. Okay, right. I would definitely recommend it. Okay, John, yeah. John Malkovich, of course. Sarah yeah, Paulson, when she's great. on screen, is good. Mm-hmm. I think all the way around. And I also think the movie does a pretty good job sort of building suspense for the most part. Like the scene when they're in the car driving around and they yeah, can't yeah, see yeah, anything yeah. and they're mm-hmm. trying to use the GPS. I thought that was great and clever. I thought there was a lot of scenes, like when they're on the river, I think oh, the yeah. suspense was Bill Graydon, how it was shot, and they're looking at the banks, and you don't really know where the actual danger is. Mm-hmm. So I thought the movie did a good job sort of keeping you on the edge of your seat. I think maybe it let you down a little bit at the end. I feel like it was maybe like climbing the cliff, and then it was like a steep fall off. It wasn't like, oh, wow, that's crazy, you know? Um, so it is what it is. I, I, I didn't mind the end. I just didn't think it was like a great, you know, exclamation point to a movie that's had a whole lot of craziness to it. But it gives you good enough characters and a good enough story to where if they could make a really great sequel from this. You know, if they want to do a sequel, odd. Oh, you know, Sandra Bullock can be back in a heartbeat. I'd love to see her again. Nice to see the kids maybe like a year or two older and now, okay, so now we've survived this, but now how do we fight back? Like, right. That would be a really good sequel. It seems like there's more of a story to tell. So. Yeah. And as far as Netflix is yeah, concerned, yeah. whether or not they like it or not, uh, it's blowing up in terms of views. It's become an internet meme. It's become yeah. everything crazy. There's this bird box, box challenge now where people are walking around blindfolded. I don't know if you've heard of this. So this movie is yeah. a, something we talk about a lot on this podcast is, if, is it culturally relevant? We do a lot of segments where we talk about old their movies and, and we talk about if they're still relevant in the psyche of civilization and this movie is definitely striking a nerve with people and and not to speak for bird box but on behalf of bird box brandon and i would just like to say please don't <laughs> blindfold yourself and make your friends walk through the woods we do not endorse boat. blindfold we do not endorse the whatever the bird box challenges <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah. yeah keep your tide pods and blindfold somewhere else kids. Yeah. uh anyways Wait, what would you give it out of 10? Uh, I'd give it a 7.5. Okay, I'm at a 7 out of 10. 7.5. So a movie that we're both recommending, uh, you know, probably worth watching. It's right at your fingertips on Netflix. Um, Check it out if you want to be, you know, uh, entertained, I'd say. You know, it's it's two hours. It's a quick, it's it's just a little fun watch, I think. You know, fun maybe if you're, like, messed up and have a weird definition of fun. (laughs) (laughs) So us. Yes, Yes, of course. Anyways, that's all we got for you today. We covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, Mike, do. I appreciate you joining me today and sort of sharing your thoughts. Uh, one more time before we sign off, we want to remind you, Second Day Film Podcast, Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Instagram, SoundCloud, 
Uh, go ahead and search for Search the Second Day Film Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Give us a follow. Uh, we want to hear from you film fans. Um, so, uh, CM Li- I, so I just tweeted about us, and CM Life, our our, uh, our alumni paper, actually lo- uh, liked and retweeted it for us. So nice. there you go, champ. There we CM go. Life just retweeted you, buddy. CM Life for all life. Our, all our years there paid off. <laughs> CM Life for life. I'm glad it paid off somehow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love my time there on the fourth floor of Moore Hall. Anyways... We appreciate you guys listening as as always. Mike, thanks for listening. Uh, coming up soon, I'll have uh, we're going to be Oscar season's going to come up. We're going to have some picks for that. I'm going to re- uh, do a podcast somehow uh, incorporating the top ten or top twenty five movies of the year. But until next time, we appreciate y'all, and we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>